0: Welcome to The Pursuit of Mastery, and before we jump into today's inaugural episode, what I want to do is actually define the why behind the name Pursuit of Mastery, and it actually draws inspiration from an individual named Gary Keller, and if you're not familiar with him, he's an American entrepreneur. He's the founder and executive chairman of Keller Williams, which is the largest real estate company in the world by agent count. And he says, when you can see mastery as a path you go down, instead of a destination you arrive at, it starts to feel accessible and attainable. Most assume mastery is an end result, but at its core, mastery is a way of thinking, a way of acting, and a journey you experience. And in my personal experience working with leaders, and really people in general, they lack the processes and habits that it takes to actually achieve mastery in their domain. They're so focused on the end destination that they don't even take the first step in the journey. And that is the purpose of the pursuit of mastery, to give you the mindsets and habits that need to be put in place to start actively pursuing mastery in your domain. My name is David Rainey, and I hope you enjoy this inaugural episode. Alright, episode one. In today's episode, we're going to talk about mastering mindset. What are the mindsets of the top 1%? What are the mindsets of the high performers? What mindset do you need to adopt in order to excel in your field? And before we get too far into the episode, I'm going to start with a quote from Henry Ford. It says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Now, is that just a clever line? Is that something that just sounds nice in theory? What's interesting is we're actually finding that there's a lot of truth in Henry Ford's quote, both in the realm of psychology and in the realm of neuroscience. So Carol Dweck, who is a psychologist from the University of Stanford, wrote a book called Mindset. and We're going to use a lot of her work over the course of this episode. She discovered what's called growth mindset, and she has this to say on the topic of mindset. She says, for 20 years, my research has shown that the view you adopt for yourself profoundly affects the way you lead your life. What the research is showing is the worldviews and philosophies that you adopt, both about the world and yourself, greatly impact your level of success in life. So if that's the case, what philosophies and mindsets do you need to adopt in order to become a high performer? So earlier I mentioned growth mindset. And this was a term first used by Carol Dweck. And what she found is that people kind of fell on a spectrum, that you had some individuals that adopted a growth mindset and other individuals that had a fixed mindset. So I think it's important to define our terms. What is a growth and what is a fixed mindset? So I'm actually going to let Catherine Coate from the Harvard Business School describe it. She says, someone with a growth mindset views intelligence, abilities, and talents as learnable and capable of improvement through effort. On the other hand, someone with a fixed mindset views those same traits as inherently stable and unchangeable over time. And this is what's fascinating. Those who have adopted a growth mindset have been shown to far outperform their counterparts who have a fixed mindset. And part of the reason for that is those with a fixed mindset have subscribed to a philosophy that is fundamentally untrue. And this has actually been proven in the realm of neuroscience. So in neuroscience, they have a term called neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity is the brain's ability to reorganize itself by forming new neural connections. By consistently reinforcing a new behavior pattern or belief system, those neural pathways become stronger and the old neural pathways begin to weaken over time. And this is actually the basis for any type of habit formation. So if we go back to our definitions of growth versus fixed mindset, growth mindset views intelligence, abilities, and talents as learnable and capable of improvement through effort whereas fixed mindset views those same traits as inherently stable and unchangeable over time, what neuroplasticity is showing is growth mindset is actually in alignment with reality and also the way the brain functions. And maybe an example will help drive this point home. So when Carol Dweck was first doing her research about growth mindset, what she would do is she would go into these schools that were universally testing very poorly. And what she would do is she would introduce the concept of growth mindset to these students. And the results ended up being amazing. And before I get into the results and findings of students who started to adopt a growth mindset, what I wanna do is I wanna take a second and address the students who first had a fixed mindset. And unfortunately, the reason they had a fixed mindset, it was learned behavior from their caretakers. They were told over and over again that they were not intelligent, that they were not capable, that they were not competent. And so they started to believe that to be true about themselves. But whenever Carol Dweck came in here and she changed the narrative that through effort over time, you could become competent in whatever subject. There's actually a story of a boy, we'll call him Jake for the sake of the story, who whenever Carol Dweck expose this information to him, he started to cry. And he said, so you're telling me I don't have to be stupid? See, he had believed a lie about himself that he had been told over and over again that he was not intelligent. He never lacked intelligence. What he lacked was a role model who would teach him the proper framework for how achievement is accomplished. And in the aftermath, his grades not only improved, they significantly improved. So here's some of the data of students who start to adopt a growth mindset. So students who hold a growth mindset were found to be three times more likely to score in the top 20% on a test, while students with a fixed mindset were four times more likely to score in the bottom 20%. So if you're a leader, a teacher, a parent, a coach, how can you utilize the power of growth mindset to positively influence the people around you? And it's actually through praising effort over the end result. Carol Dweck actually has this to say about it. She says, After seven experiments with hundreds of children, we had some of the clearest findings I've ever seen. Praising children's intelligence harms their motivation and it harms their performance. How can that be? Don't children love to be praised? Yes, children love praise and they especially love to be praised for their intelligence and talent. It really does give them a boost, a special glow, but only for the moment. The minute they hit a snag, their confidence goes out the window and their motivation hits rock bottom. If success means they're smart, then failure means they're dumb. That's the fixed mindset. So what she found was teachers who were consistently praising the students based off of their performance or their tests, anytime they reached a problem that they found challenging, instead of trying to overcome that obstacle and put forth more effort, they would fold. Whereas the children that they praised their effort They then started to put in more effort to try to solve the problems, and they then started to bypass the students who were, quote-unquote, more intelligent. John Wooden, a man who many consider to be the greatest collegiate basketball coach of all time, a man who won 10 national championships with UCLA, has a quote that actually perfectly fits in with what Carol Dweck was saying. And he was saying this well before the discoveries of modern-day neuroscience. He says, success is a peace of mind which is a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to become the best of which you are capable. I'll use one more example and then I'll move on to my next point. And the reason I love this next example so much is because it's a falsehood that I believed to be true as I was growing up. See, most people whenever they look at the arts, whether that's drawing or singing, they think of these as skills that you are either born with or you aren't. You either have it or you don't. And what we're finding is that's also fundamentally untrue. Some people have a natural propensity for it, but these are still learnable skills. If we go back to our definition of growth mindset, which is it views intelligence, abilities, and talents as learnable and capable of improvement through effort, we know this to be true. And so what Carol Dweck did is she actually went to a... Artist named Betty Edwards who would walk students through a five-day course and at the beginning of this course before they got any sort of training they would do a self-portrait and the self-portrait looked about as good as you would expect for people who have no background in art but at the end of this very intense five-day course the progress from where they started to where they ended was night and day different. They were by no means experts, you're not going to master any skill set in a five day period, but they showed they had the capacity to draw. Now I could spend the next hour giving example after example of how growth mindset improves performance, but for the sake of brevity, what I really wanna drive home is that once you adopt a growth mindset and understand the power of neuroplasticity, you understand people's nearly limitless potential and you start stop limiting yourself And you start believing and stop limiting the people around you as well, which is absolutely imperative to becoming a world-class leader. Okay, point number two, take ownership over the things that you can control. So there is a topic in psychology which is called locus of control. And there's an internal and external locus of control. So an internal locus of control is someone who believes they are in control and takes responsibility for their own actions, whereas someone who has an external locus of control blames external forces for their own circumstances. There's actually an old fictional story about two twin boys who were raised by an alcoholic father. One grew up to be an alcoholic, and when asked what happened, he would say, well, I watched my father. The other grew up and never drank in his life. When he was asked what happened, he said, well, I watched my father. And I think this is a beautiful example of how having an internal versus an external locus of control can completely change the outcome of your life. The boy who became a drunk himself was blaming his father for his own life. While the other one looked at his father, said, I can still control my behavior. And he did a complete 180 and he said, I'm going to go the other direction. The way I like to visualize this with my clients is you draw a circle and everything within that circle is what you can control. We call that the realm of control and everything outside of the circle is what you can't control. You need to hyper fixate on the things that are inside of that circle and do not pay any attention to the things that are outside of it because it's a waste of time. You'll find that the more that you focus on that realm of control, the more ownership you start to take over your personal life. And the more ownership you start to take over your life, the more successful you end up becoming. Viktor Frankl, an Austrian psychiatrist who ended up surviving the concentration camps in World War II, ended up writing a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And in this book, he, one of his most famous quotes actually kind of discusses having an internal versus an external locus of control. He says, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. What he's saying is even in the worst circumstances, when all human freedoms have been taken from you you still fixate on the thing you can control. And the thing you can still control in that circumstance is your thoughts. I know this is an extreme example, but I still wanted to use it to show that the principle still holds true even in the extremes. So in conclusion to point two, take ownership of all that you can control even if you've been dealt a bad hand. And the last point I'll make comes from a quote from Angela Duckworth. And Angela Duckworth is a psychologist and the author of a book called Grit. She says that no matter the domain, the highly successful had a kind of ferocious determination that played out in two ways. First, these exemplars were unusually resilient and hardworking. Second, they know in a very, very deep way what it was they wanted. They not only had determination, they had direction. So point number three in regards to mindset is to have a personal vision for your life. You would be amazed at the amount of individuals that I speak with whenever I ask them about their goals or their plans or their vision for their life, have nothing. They have no idea what they want to do. They have no idea what they want to accomplish. They're a ship without a rudder. And they're frustrated that the boat isn't going in the direction that they want it to go. Well, of course it isn't. You haven't set its direction. You haven't set its course. You need to clearly define what it is you want to accomplish. And once that's been defined, you use your newfound understanding of growth mindset to know that you are capable of accomplishing it. And then you have an internal locus of control where you take ownership of your own actions and the end outcome. So to wrap up this episode about mastering mindset and really drive home the points that I've been making. Number one. You need to adopt a growth mindset and understand that your abilities and talents are not inherently fixed, that they can be improved upon. Number two, you need to take ownership over your thoughts and actions. It's one of the few things that you can control and hyper fixate on those. And finally, you need to set a personal vision for your life because it's very difficult to get to an end destination if you've never actually defined where that end destination is. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed this first episode of The Pursuit of Mastery. So I am an executive coach and leadership consultant. And if you are wanting to know more about my organization and what I do, you can find us at syzygy.global. That's S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y global. If you like this episode and want to hear more material like it, please leave a positive review. It helps us reach more people. And I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode.